You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, April 24th of the year 2020. It's time for your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual this fine Friday morning is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Uh, I would say a great, great week for precious metals investors and probably lots of good stuff to look forward to here. Boy, it sure seems that way. We've got a lot to cover. As most folks know, uh, Sprott Money has been uh, temporarily closed this month, as many businesses are, both in Canada and the U.S. And we've also got some shortages out there of coins and bullion. But we're making some progress. So for all of you out there still waiting to purchase gold and silver products, I can tell you that Sprott Money is starting to receive some inventory. <clears throat> the couriers still have protocols in place that make it difficult to ensure our shipments. So we're working very hard to fully open our online store and make deliveries as soon as possible. We'll keep updating you in the days and weeks to come. Uh, But boy, oh boy, uh, the demand for physical gold and silver continues, Eric, and it's certainly ramping up with all the response to coronavirus. But let's start there. I know you've seen a few interesting things this week that you want to share with everybody. Sure. Let me start off with uh, the one negative I saw this week, I, there's about five or six positives, okay? But I want to, and I, I'm changing a view here on coronavirus that I think I can see sort of the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I'll start off with the one negative. And the one negative was that uh, they have determined that this coronavirus does mutate, that there have been uh, identified, I think, something like 31 different mutations, and uh, that the strongest mutation is 270 times stronger than the weakest mutation. And that's a little disconcerting uh, because it's hard to get a vaccine for something that changes that much. So that's my, my one major negative. In terms of, uh, I think the best thing that we can do is reopen the economy in a controlled fashion as soon as possible. Why do I say that? Uh, well, first of all, there's some new numbers out that were quite shocking. Uh, probably the most shocking one was uh, there was a homeless shelter in Boston that had 400 uh, people staying there. They tested everybody, apparently, and something like 147 of them had COVID-19. But none of them, none of them had symptoms. That is a startling, startling revelation. And I don't even know the reason. All I know is nobody there suspected anything, and yet 147 had it. What if that's the case in other places? One other place was the USS Roosevelt, which has 4,000 sailors on it. They had 678 people test positive. One person has died, and five are in hospital. Well, that morbidity rate and that rate of hospitalization is nothing like what we've seen so far for, I'm going to say, for the general population, right. which really is an older population because we, the, the disease has gone to the weakest, the nursing homes and the, the prisons and, the, you know, uh, uh, boats and things like that where people are kind of trapped in a particular environment. But the fact that we're, we are finding out that a lot of people have had the coronavirus. 
Unfortunately, one of the great weaknesses, both in Canada and the U.S., we don't have the tests. If we had more tests, we'd probably find out that a lot of people have had it. And, of course, the more people that have had it that have survived it would cause mathematically the morbidity rate to go down dramatically. And I, I was actually watching something on uh, Bloomberg, and it suggested that people under 50, the morbidity rate is 0.1%. Well, 0.1%, that's the same as the flu. So right. I actually believe we should open things back up again. And, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of the message of these numbers. And I know there's lots of cases still, uh, but we do still have, you know, a lot of vulnerable people. And it's, that's who's being attacked here. And I think that young people are almost exempt from it. So, for example, if, if somebody said, you know, people under 40 back in the pool, I'd be all for it. So I think we can see our way around this. I think we have to face the morbidity because what is the morbidity for a prolonged depression? Right. That has consequences too. Right. And there's serious serious consequences like life changing consequences for everybody now not just the people that died everybody and i think there's a a uh, a measurement a relativity there that has to be taken into consideration there's that, there are risks with everything else in life and if the ultimate risk of something like this is commensurate with so many other risks that we already deal with then you're right uh, I think that's the, the direction this is going. Um, and that has significant implications for all the markets, including the precious metals, obviously. Right, Eric? I mean, with all this cash that they've created. Totally. Well, as an owner of a mine, I mean, the one thing I've always worried about is, well, what if you have to shut down the mine and you as the owner have to, you know, keep it operating, which is just money going out all the time and nothing coming in. And I kind of sense that uh, pretty soon we'll be We'll be back at it here. I know, for example, in Canada, here in Quebec, Quebec government has basically said to the gold miners, you can go back into production. Uh, we're still out in lots of other countries, but I suspect that given the passage of time, given all the new mathematical evidence of the lesser morbidity, I think the odds are that we'll want to take the chance. No, it's not even a chance. We'll measure the risk of one versus the risk of the other and decide that we should be going back to work. Right, right. Do you think, Eric, that realization is all part of what's driving the shares now? I mean, we've had a lot of other good news that we want to make sure we talk about. Uh, but boy, oh boy, what a, a tremendous yeah. run we're, we're currently in the middle of. Yeah, I don't think that. And the reason I don't, I, first of all, I think the reason the stocks are up is because the Fed has just flooded the system with money. The Fed and the Treasury, for that matter. I think that's what's boosted things. And of course, I think people have a naturally uh, optimistic bent and uh, we probably have the plunge protection team in there. Uh, I still think that economically we have a debt crisis. We saw how quickly the debt thing blew up. I mean, it blew up in a week, whether it was the, the repo, whether it was the high yield, whether it was the commercial paper market. I mean, these things are all blowing up a Explosion here, explosion there. The Fed would come and say, oh, we'll take care of that. We'll take care of money market funds. We'll take care of commercial paper. We'll take care of mortgages. We'll take care of bonds. We'll take care of high yield. The debt market exploded. It's just the Fed came in to solve it. So right. it doesn't mean in the long run 
the problem solved here, and I suspect it won't be. I think from an economic perspective, first of all, going back to work does not give you a V-shaped recovery <laughs> because I don't think it's going to be everyone back in the pool. Right. We still have to protect a certain element of society. We can't. We won't be doing things. We won't be going to games or, you know, attending church masses or um, going to tight-seated restaurants. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So it's going to be a, I don't know what kind of recovery some guy described as a Nike swoosh, i.e. kind of kind of a slow move up here. Mm-hmm. I suspect that's what's going to happen. And un- unfortunately, we don't know what the financial consequences are of this yet. But that will play out in time. In other words, who's going broke? Right. We'll see. Right. It's a little early yet. We talked last week, Eric, about the idea of uh, stagflation. Kind of like, you know, the whole decade of the 70s, but kind of condensed, you know, in the next yeah. two, three, four years. And we know, you know, from history, what a great time the 70s were for the precious metals and the mining shares. <clears throat> so far, yeah. let me lay these numbers on you. The QE to infinity, if you will, was announced on March the 23rd. Uh, so one month and a day ago. In the time since, yeah, the st- overall stock market's doing great, up 22%. Uh, but gold's up 18 Silver's up 25% in a month. But the big winner, and I know you know this, is uh, something like the GDX, the gold mining ETF, up 65% in a month. How about that? Right. And just about ready to explode. And on the precious metals front, there's been some interesting developments this week, very interesting. Uh, one that most people would have seen was that uh, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, uh, basically suggested the price of gold could go to 3000 Yeah. because you can't print gold. But you can print money, and we are printing money. I've discussed before uh, a company called Technical Traders, Chris Vermeulen. Uh, he came out with a buy on gold on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, very good timing here, suggesting it go to the first targets around 18, second targets around 1,900. And he's been very good. Uh, I've said, uh, talked about this now. This will be the third week in a row I'll mention this next topic. As gold and silver have gone up here, the open interest is not going up. And typically, the commercial uh, banks, as gold would go up, they would short into the market. Yep. They're not shorting into the market. And that's why we get these moves of 20s, 30s, 60s, 50s. Right. It's unheard of. Right. Because they're not, they're not standing, they're not, they're not going to stop it. And I don't know this particular reason they're not going to stop it, but first on my list would be they know there's no metals, physical metals. That's one. Yeah. They're way over levered on the short side. That's two. They see the printing of money. Three. They see the buying of physical metals in the ETFs and the coin dealers running out and so on. Uh, next, we have their financial position is weak anyway. They have more brush fires, not brush fires, forest fires to put out what do we need to deal with these precious metals for we got bigger issues man than precious metals right now mm-hmm. and undoubtedly you know this cfo of the max would might say look we got to get raise capital in this area here this is this is not our primary business so i think you know they've they've left dodge and while i'm on the comex you know i know you and myself and many other commentators found it sickening what happened to the price of oil on 
what is it, Wednesday? Monday. Or Tuesday? Was it Monday? Yeah, I know, the negative. days all run together. <laughs> it happens to all of us. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I mean, it was disgusting. And in my mind, it was just a group of commercial bankers, bankers taking their clients to the woodshed. And they just beat them to a pulp, okay? And then now, of course, it's going back up again. They probably got them all to go short, and now they're, they're running right. it up again. And I just find the COMEX so distasteful in, in allowing those things to happen. I'll, I will guarantee you, if it was, if it was the commercials who were getting pounded, they would have stopped trading. They would have had a force majeure. Yeah. No, but the commercials are making the money on this one. Yeah. So they let it continue to trade and, and let the clients just take a beating. Uh, and, of course, we... The reason I'm jaded about the comics, I see what goes on in silver and gold here, ad nauseum. Now, it's not going on now, but it used to go, go on all the time. So uh, that just adds fuel to the fire. I know you wrote about it. I think it was on the Sprott Money website. And um, it's sort of despicable that that sort of thing would happen. And nobody seems to be perturbed by it. No, that's just it. Uh, the CME group is all powerful. You know, with yeah. the exchanges they yeah. run, and then they're with their collusion now with the LBMA. That's a whole other oh. story. Yeah, there's supposed collusion. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, exactly. They can collude <laughs> with the LBMA, but they can't get any gold into the Comex. Okay. Um, right. And uh, you know, a couple other things I should say about this week's action. When when the price of uh, gold went down on Tuesday to roughly what did it get to sixteen sixty something like that. Something like that. In my mind, when I look at it retrospectively now, it was another, let's run the stops here, okay? We're going to run it. You know all these uh, guys who are long uh, these futures contracts always have a stop loss in. Yeah. Because they have such a small percent of the money up that if it goes down, you know, something goes down 5%, they get kind of wiped out. And I think they just ran the stops on Tuesday, got it down to 1660, covered a little. They didn't get much, by the way. And then, of course, the minute that was over, what happened? It actually rallied $30 off, the, off that low the same afternoon, the afternoon that Christopher Mullen came out and said it's a buy. And then, of course, the next day it went up whatever it was, 30 or $40, like unheard of numbers that, you know, we're not used to talking about gold going up 30 right. or 40 bucks, but it does now. Um, so that, I, I, and we've seen, we saw that one other time recently when they knocked, when they knocked silver down to 12 and knocked gold down to 1440 back in March, I guess. And then, boom, right back up again. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the stocks. Uh, obviously, you've mentioned that uh, the GDX and the UE are uh, hitting new highs here. Uh, the uh, large-cap gold stocks are hitting 52-week highs. Uh, and we have a very unusual thing happening in Canada. And it, I call it the Nortel effect, but that's just – I'm probably the only guy in the world that calls it the Nortel effect. And the Nortel effect is when – a group or a stock ends up with a big weighting in the major index in Canada, the TSX index. And therefore, if you're a generalist investor, you cannot avoid owning some of it. Right. And so, so for example, the gold stocks are now 10.5% of the index. Well, how can you, as a portfolio manager who's disdained gold forever, say, I'm not buying it? You know, it's ten and a half percent of the index. It's the only thing going up. Right. Everything else is going down. Right. Now, here, here's where the Nortel effect comes in. It's not going up because the generalists have been buying it. It's going up because foreigners have been buying it. And if foreigners own fifty uh, percent of the stocks, that means that the institutions in Canada can only own five percent of the stocks. 
because they're being purchased by foreign interests, which is what happened in Nortel. Nortel got to be 30% of the TSX index at its peak, but probably 75% of it was owned by non-Canadians. So how's the Canadian guy supposed to hang in there? He's, he's forced to buy. He can't be a seller. And I think that's what we're going to see in the gold stocks here, that the Canadian institutions who own some can't sell, must buy. And, and of course, the world outside of the U.S. all sees gold at a record high price, and they love the stocks. Yeah, There's a great article by John Hathaway at Sprott suggesting that the gold stocks versus the price of gold today are trading at about 20% of where they should be, 25% of where they should be, 25% of where they mm-hmm. should be. A lot of people agree so, with So, you know, there's, uh, there's lots to be hopeful for here uh, with the commercials out of the game, with the purchases through the ETF being as strong as can be. There's not, uh, not much not to like. I've become a, quite a buyer here just in the last week or so. Uh, and I will continue to be a buyer because I think we're going to we're going to hit some pretty exciting levels in terms of the gold stocks in the not too distant future. Well, and one of the questions we had this week, Eric, uh, just put this in right here, was uh, you'd mentioned buying some physical silver a couple of weeks ago, a couple million dollars worth. Um, yeah. In this case, you bought physical. Uh, and the person was just wondering, why did you not buy the uh, PSLV? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I did buy is I bought the Sprott Silver Bullion Mutual Fund. And one of the things I like about the Sprott Silver Bullion Fund is, you know, silver bullion, uh, mutual funds trade at NAV, okay? So fine. I'm, I'm going to pay whatever the NAV is at the end of the day, and when I sell it, I'll sell it at the NAV. I'm not going to be a factor in the market. You know, In other words, yeah. I don't want to go to the exchange and have to buy something and then sell something on an exchange because people see you coming on the exchange. Yeah. Yep. You know, high-frequency traders, they're front-running it. So there is a cost to trading on an exchange versus just taking the NAB in a mutual fund. That's why I did it. Got it. All right, let's just get to a few shares before we wrap up because we've got a few questions. Sure. But I do want to kind of big picture this, though, again, Eric, because and I, I want to get your opinion because you're more knowledgeable on this than just about anybody. Uh, we've talked about asset allocation. You mentioned the TSX and, and the Nortel effect. You know, you and I have talked about overall asset allocation of the sector. Rick Rule has been talking about this for, for months. You know, overall asset allocation being 1%. You know, and if it goes to 2%, oh my gosh, how, where's all that cash going to go? And now we're seeing a sector, especially the large caps, the the seniors, where they are increasing dividends. Uh, Newmont Mining this week increased their dividend by 80%. Uh, and you're also having these massive surge of earnings, uh, which is, I mean, no other sector of the stock market is doing anything like that. They're cutting earnings and they're cutting dividends. Uh, the GDX is poised, hopefully, to have a breakout weekly close today if it can close above 32 and a quarter. Chart looks great. All these things. Do you think we're on the cusp of that of a surge? Uh, maybe we're already in the middle of it, a surge of new asset allocation to the sector? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the 1% number, and I'm not even sure it is. it's as high as 1%. But And I'm going to contrast that with the 10.5% weighting in the TSX, okay? So for the world, there's only 1% available. I'm concerned about the Canadian institutions because they probably own 3% and the weighting's 10. Imagine the world wanting to get in here. Right. Which it, which it should because it's become very apparent. 
And even though it's not become apparent to portfolio managers, the one thing I love, and I've spoken to this before, the computer every morning tells the guy, best performing group, gold stocks, best performing group, gold stocks. Yep. When are you going to buy them? When are you going to buy them? You know, how come you're not in this? You don't understand gold. It's too complicated for you. <laughs> and, you know, and every, every week, gold stocks, gold stocks, gold stocks, gold stocks. I remember when uh, Kirkland Lake was the number one stock on Investor's Business Daily, number one of all stocks. And the computer had it picked. The people didn't. You know, the thinkers, they don't think about it. They don't get it. Right. But the computer can see what's going on. They can see the earnings going up. They can see the stock performance, you know. And uh, sooner or later, everyone's got to jump in the pool here. That's right. So it well, could be very exciting. And I can tell you as an owner of a mine, um, Jared Canyon in Nevada, I own 80% of it. I mean, the difference in outlook for us with $1,700 gold is mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, oh, my God, we're going to have that much money at the end of the year. Are you kidding me, man? Well, let's go do some exploration. Let's uh, go develop more ore. I mean, all sorts of things come back on the field that you can deal with. So it's a very, very exciting time, and including paying a dividend. Right, you know, exactly. And, and, and they can pay serious dividends. These are either stock market caps, serious dividends. And in a world of low interest rates... I mean, that's it just adds fuel to the fire. Um, Eric, you're being very generous with your time this morning. <clears throat> I want to be respectful of that. So let me, if I could, just hit you with some of the names that came in this week, just for sure. your quick uh, opinion. Again, yep. I always run these past Eric, if he doesn't, uh, before we get started, just to see if there's anything that, you know, he doesn't, I don't want to waste his time with a, a name he doesn't know anything about. But I've got a couple here that were sent in that I know you can comment on. How about Ascot Resources? Sure. Well, Ascot brought out, a, I think it was a pre-feasibility study and their properties up uh, in the Golden Triangle. And if I'm not mistaken, the net asset value was something like $300 million, which was well above the stock market cap. Uh, so it looked, uh, it looked really interesting. I think they got good people running it. Uh, there's lots of opportunity in the Golden Triangle. So I think uh, it, it's going to move uh, very well with everything else here. How about a company called Gold Spot Discoveries? Well, Gold Spot is a, uh, a company who provides uh, sort of an analytics of uh, drilling results to mining companies. Mm -hmm. uh, they actually brought their fourth quarter out. I, I found the uh, the numbers somewhat underwhelming. I think they had uh, only half a million of revenue and a million of expenses, but. I think their uh, their software techniques for our artificial intelligence for finding things for company is going to prove to be a major boon both to the companies and to Goldspot, who might get a piece of the action for providing the information. So it's a stock I own a piece of. Um, I'm kind of hopeful that that with the rest of the industry, things like Goldspot will uh, their services will be much easier to imagine taking going forward with all this money sloshing around right. the gold mining area. Right. How about Amex? Amex has had some very interesting uh, drilling results in uh, Newfoundland. Uh, it's still early, but the results have been good. The stock's done, I think, relatively quite well. Uh, I'm an owner. 
I like it. Uh, we need more results to find. You know, we I don't, I don't think we have enough to get a resource yet, but we're we'll be getting close there. With the bounce back and with the prices continuing to rise, does it make you uh, even more optimistic on this whole Wallbridge uh, Balmoral combination? Absolutely, absolutely. Now they they haven't been uh, allowed to go back and start drilling, uh, but I suspect being in Quebec that that might be forthcoming very very soon. Uh, I'm kind of look well. I'm very much looking forward to more drilling. They have some results in the hopper right now from drilling they did before the shutdown and th- those will be announced and hopefully we'll see some um, very interesting numbers there. I still happen to believe that it's going to be a very major deposit. And uh, so I, I'm, I would really like them to get back to work so we can flesh this thing out because it's going to take a lot of drilling to finally prove what we ultimately have. And I think what we ultimately have, particularly with $1,700 gold, I mean, come on, yeah, you know, that you go from fourteen hundred to seventeen hundred dollar gold, it it changes probably everyone's nav net asset value by a hundred percent, just there. Yeah. So it would be the same would be true of Walbridge and and their deposit. And and lastly, uh, did did you see those results that Kirkland Lake posted a couple of days ago? Would you yes. would, would you make of that? <laughs> well, I did, and I found them very very interesting. Uh, the funny part is that as you look at a cross-section of the whole Kirkland Lake camp. On the left, you look at, we're looking east-west here. Uh, on the western side, you see that they've gone down to 8,000 feet. And then there's one that's got, as you move further east, they've gone down to 6,000 feet. Then a little further east, they've gone to 8,000 feet. These are old mines that did that. And, uh, gee, I wonder if there's something on our property down there. Yeah. You know, everyone's gone down to 8,000 feet and found gold. What? Maybe we should drill this. They drill it, and the, the keyhole was 2.4 meters of 141 grams, which is a spectacular hole. And then, yet again, they pulled out some old cores that they reassayed to suggest that they have this huge envelope. I think it was uh, 700 meters wide by 300 meters vertical, by whatever the average width is, which is probably two or three meters. Uh, that's high-grade gold. Mm. And I'm sure it goes deeper. So it's it's just kind of reopening up. You know, they say you find gold where there was gold. Well, that just is proving the case in spades at the Macassar mine between the South Mine Complex that they had, the amalgamated break that they have, now going back to the old 04 break yet again and finding that there's gold below the working. So no, I think it's uh, very meaningful. I tried to put a number on how much they found. I mean, my back-of-the-envelope numbers, maybe they found a million and a half high-grade ounces. Well, that's four years of uh, four more or four extra years of production up there at the at four hundred thousand ounces a year, as, which they'll start producing in twenty twenty two. They only produce about two forty right now, but anyway, it's and and of course it's wide open. So I loved it. All right, well, it's time to wrap up the wrap up. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to get on the record before we we wrap it up? Uh, no, I think uh, it's it's just been an exciting time here. I. I I, you know, gold stocks move quickly. When when gold bottomed in '08, I mean, what if the stocks go up? They tripled or something in yeah. three years, some number like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I suspect we're going to be seeing the same thing, and in fact, maybe even better because of the printing of the the size of the printing of money we have now versus then. I mean, it's exponentially larger. So, 
you know, $3,000 gold, everyone's earnings go up by 10 times. Maybe the stocks go up by 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of those smaller ones really become pretty interesting. Oh my God. They all come back in the playing field. You imagine what the net asset value, if gold goes to 3,000, what these companies would be. Oh, and you got 10 million ounces in the ground that don't look economical at 1,500, at 3,000. They look pretty different. Oh my God. Yeah. They'd be amongst the, the, the biggest earners in the world. Yep. Fun time to be alive. Well, we'll have a lot to discuss next week. Uh, with the May contract for silver going off the board will be interesting to see how that plays out. The May gold, which is seeing a sudden surge of open interest as well. Uh, I'm not sure. I would imagine next Friday is the first of the month. I don't know if we're going to have a U.S. employment report to talk about, but I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about by next Friday. We sure will. Look well, forward to it. All right, my friend. Again, everybody, please keep an eye on that SprottMoney.com website. Uh, we do have some inventory trickling in, and hopefully uh, the good folks in Toronto will let everybody get to back to work before too long, and uh, we'll all start uh, uh, start having some fun again. Uh, Eric, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been just invaluable this morning. Great. It was a lot of fun. See you next week. From all of us at Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening. Talk to you again next Friday.